Hello everyone, Dave Duke here again with Revenue Revolutionaries. I'm so excited to welcome you back to the podcast where I sit down with today's best customer revenue leaders. This week, I sit down with Tim Satterwhite, the CRO of Terminus out of Atlanta. Tim and I talk about his first time CRO experience, how he thinks about a human first approach to leadership. We also break down what it means to build and protect revenue within an organization. I'm so excited to welcome Tim Satterwhite to Revenue Revolutionaries. Let's go. Tim, thank you so much for joining me today on Revenue Revolutionaries. I really appreciate the time. No, I'm looking forward to this. This is going to be a good time. Yeah, we're going to uh, just talk about your your background, your story, and really, really excited to unpack this this role of, of the CRO that you're in now at Terminus. Uh, so let's, let's, let's do that. So talk to me a little bit about your career path and how your early experiences shaped uh, where, you, where you find yourself today. Yeah, um, so I'm part of what I call, lovingly call the Salesforce tree. So um, you go to get your MBA in sales at Salesforce and, and sometimes Oracle out there. And so, yeah. um, you know, Salesforce is a great opportunity for training and understanding classically of how to go and sell and, and do it at a high level. But more than that, I mean, you meet more A players at a company like that um, than anywhere else. And that's, you know, I tell my team throughout your career, you collect people, you may all move to different jobs and do those things like that. But you look at someone and say, you're a good human and you're really good at your job. I hope we get to do this together again. Um, and interestingly enough, not only from a personal skill set, but you know, career-wise, that's where I moved my career through. So my my next big role was with a company called Braze, um, which is um, customer engagement. So still in the Martech space, I was part of Salesforce Marketing Cloud there. Um, and I reached out to a friend of mine, a gentleman named Miles Klieger, who's who's the president and chief chief customer officer over there, and said, "Hey." I'm thinking about changing roles. What's what's interesting out there? And just you reply back two words. Let's talk. Um, and so went over there, and sure enough, it was a whole gang of us that had worked together at Salesforce. And and uh, Braze, I joined. We were about 16 million in revenue, and I, I left right when we hit 100 million, wow. um, which was a lot of fun uh, in ARR. And uh, took a break. Um, you know, my oldest was going into kindergarten uh, mm-hmm. this year. Um, and my wife and I looked at kind of where do we want to be long-term. And so we made a kind of a quality of life choice and moved out of San Francisco to Austin, Texas. Um, okay. Okay. and at that time I, I took my, my role, uh, as CRO at Terminus. So I'm actually a first time CRO, um, coming into the role, which has been a lot of fun. So. That's awesome. Well, let's, let's touch on that here in a second, but if you reflect on that Braze experience and that's, that's quite the growth story. Uh, what are some of the key lessons that you took away from that experience that you're, you're bringing to Terminus or just you know, overall as you reflect on your, your progression? Yeah, um, it's it's really interesting. Like the, to get to see that movie, to get to be a part of that, like you can read all the books in the world, but like as you look for mentors, as you look for companies and roles and things like that, the opportunity to go through that kind of growth and scale is unique. Most companies never get, like as, as we used to say, uh, most companies are never fortunate to have the problems we're trying to solve right now. <laughs> so so that, let's put those in the good bucket of problems to have. Um, but it, I think the, the most important thing through that you just learn and, and it, it's the first time it really like I internalized it was just it's about the people you do it with and mm-hmm. the team you build because 
if you don't trust the person to the left, to the right, and above and below you, you're not able to scale your sale yourself, scale your business, scale teams, and do those like that. And so, you know, having trust and confidence that you know, the, the person you're working with is going to go execute at a high level on their side and allow you to go do your things. That's one of the biggest things in startups. Like we talk about scale in terms of product and things like this as well. It's really like, who are those people that allow you to scale yourself? Because, you know, you need to go do these things and you need you, know, you keep up leveling what people can do in that organization. So, right. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Talk a little bit about some of those. Uh, I'm going to assume you went through some growing pains as you, as you grow. No, like it's that. all blue sky. All <laughs> blue skies, rainbows. It's all, it's all peachy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> did you highlight one or two that uh, really uh, did challenge you and, and give you that opportunity to grow as a, as a leader? Um, but to your, to your point of, you know, that's how you, that's how you learn going through a, a, an exercise like that, but it, it's very unique. Yeah. So um, just in terms of uh, kind of what were some obstacles, what are some tough things that have come? Like um, if you're in, a, in a, gro- a company that's growing at a fast pace, you're generally in a competitive market. You're, you're not unto yourself, or if you are, people are gonna find out there's money to be made over there. Um, so the aspect of uh, you know, building a competitive muscle uh, mm-hmm. in, an, in go-to-market is something that's tough. You know, you're not, you don't operate in a vacuum, you don't operate in a silo. And so how do you, do, how do you competitively sell in a high character way? Like that's a, that's a, that's a narrow line to walk. Um, And I I truly believe, and I I talk to my team still now at Terminus about this, that I actually think selling is dead. Um, I think it's really about educating and advocating. So let me educate you on how our solution works and our approach to the problem and then advocate for how we help you solve it because our competitors are going to do it in a different way. So we're, we're helping you conduct diligence about what the right solution is for you. We're not here to sell you on why we're the best, right? Yeah. Like I look at us as like, you're going through diligence right now. Our job mm-hmm. is to be a good partner in diligence and be a value add and answer questions and you know do that. And oftentimes I think that's where people want to go of who's the right partner, right? That gets thrown around a lot, but like ultimately if you're, you're helping in diligence, you're partnering, you're looking forward, you're in a little bit of trust there. So that's a tough one to do in, in a startup of how do you build a competitive selling muscle? So. Yeah, yeah, but your point there is, you know, really stepping into that advisory role out of the gate and and being consultative and, and just trying to build that trust as fast as possible. Uh, love that. Um, I want to go back to kind of being a first time CRO here in a, in a second, but um, talk a little bit about how you think about the responsibility of a CRO as as you um, as you try to build the build the business at, at Terminus. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Uh, I was talking about this the other day with uh, a gentleman from my organization who, you know, wants to grow into a CRO role and, and kind of talking about like, what's that path look like and how I approach it. And it, it's really funny. Like I take it very personally, like there's the, you know, yes, we need to make dollars and quarterly numbers and do these things like that. But ultimately us being able to hit numbers and do that and grow a company is, is providing for our employees, right? Like, so I take it very personally of like, if we miss numbers, we have to make changes, right? And so I take it very personally in terms of, you know, we're doing this not only for our customers, but uh, our employees as well, right? Mm-hmm. And giving them the opportunity to, uh, you know, put food on the table, roof over their head. And then if we're growing a company, they get more opportunities to go change departments or new roles or learn these things and grow their careers as well. And so I, I take it from a very much what I'll call a human element first, I would say. Um, you know, it's, it's not just, oh, we missed, 
we have to cut marketing budget next quarter because you know we, we didn't hit the numbers type thing it's very much like you know how does this impact humans in our organization and then you know how do we invest in our customer base there as well like and so I, I take it very personally. I, I internalize it very much in terms of what my my job is at the company. Very powerful, yeah. And credit to you for for taking that approach. You know, there's you know, business is about people. You know, coming together to do uh, big things, um, and not everybody takes that perspective. So, love that. Um, talk a little bit about in, in this first first uh, role here as a CRO. Um, what what's the learning curve been like for you? Uh, are you able to pull just directly from past experiences, uh, learn some things on the fly, I, I'm sure. Um, what, what's it been like for you? Yeah, you know, it's, it's uh, I have pulled, I think you always pull from past experiences and, and kind of that comment earlier about, you know, getting to see the movie at a scale and a size and speed that you know, most people don't at Braze, you start to equate some things of like, oh, this looks very similar to something I've addressed before. Or, mm-hmm. you know, for me, it's about ruthless prioritization as I talk about it with my team. It's like, you've got to prioritize stuff just because there's always going to be scarcity of resources and there's always something to go do and fix. Like, I think my job is really connecting dots and helping prioritize in terms of what we need to do first so we can go do the next thing. Um, And that's really been, you know, working across ELT, SLT teams to help define what those are for the business and the company. Um, And that's been really interesting. Um, But yeah, in, in terms of like confidence level, like, you know, getting to 100 million in ARR, leading a, a good chunk of that. And I work extremely closely with uh, my boss and mentor, a gentleman named Dan Head, who's the CRO at Braze. Um, like I understood the decision-making process and how he was approaching things and how, you know, very close with the, the leadership at Braze of decision-making processes. And so I'm able to take that and kind of grow in my career and apply that here. And you know, going back to what can I do for my employees? I got that opportunity, right? To yeah. be able to do that. And so we go do this properly at Terminus and, you know, my, my coaching tree, as we like to call it, will grow yeah. as well. So. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Those, those trees are uh, so powerful. And if you can get into a good one, you know, the, the future is very bright. Um, yeah. Thank you for sharing that perspective. Uh, I want to shift gears a little bit to uh, really the, that, that responsibility, but from a, a business build, building standpoint. So how do you think about the best ways to, to grow revenue uh, for, for an organization? Uh, that was a lo- very loaded question. <laughs> big topic. Uh, yeah. Um, maybe back to, you know, back to this idea of, of educating and, and, uh, putting p- customers or new, new, new customers in a position to be successful. Um, but you know, revenue makes the world go around. So how do you think about growing that? Yeah. Well, for, from a startup perspective, a growing startup, I think, you always find your initial market in terms of a core product you're looking at there. And, you know, you generally find a, gro- a segment that you're, you have a right to win in, whether it be mid-market or SMB or growth or whatever you want to call it. Um, and you need to get that to a steady, predictable state as you want to build that enterprise book of business as a lot of SaaS companies do, which tends to be a little lumpier and scarier and hard learnings as you go do that. Um, but, you know, really nailing that, that first kind of why, why are we winning? Why do we have a right to win is super important. And then, you know, we were having a conversation the other day about kind of where, where's our market going? What's going to help our customers? Mm-hmm. And we, we talked a little bit about, you know, if you've heard the term skate to where the puck's going to be. Yeah. Um, oftentimes when you're leading a category, you have the puck, like where should the puck go? Where should you pass it in that yeah. sense of that's listening to your customers, 
that's understanding pain points, needs, what they'd like to go do um, as how they go to market changes and, de and de does those things as well. And so, you know, developing products that you can sell that complement that initial core offering and being able to build and grow off that is just one of those things of, you know, you've got to drive those expansion numbers. It's not just about new business, but continuing to be better for your base and things like that as well. Um, and I think, you know, the best companies are pushed by their, cust their customers and they push right back on their customers to do more and get better as well. So. Yeah, it's kind of that balancing act where you're you're in the driver's seat from an innovation standpoint, but you can't get there alone, right? So you yeah. bring the customers along and and uh, and challenge them to think bigger too, and and you know change. So exactly, there's there's oftentimes you know there's risk and change. Like if you're asking them to try something or do something different, it may not be an investment of dollars. It may be an investment of time, which is right. sometimes harder. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. On the on the uh, other side of this this uh, kind of revenue coin, there, there's a uh, kind of growing it initially. Then there is just protecting it. Uh, when we talk about uh, customer and customer success, how do you think about protecting revenue? Yeah, um, that's funny. I've, I've I've never thought about it as protecting revenue, but yes, <laughs> put your arms around it. Um, you know, I, I'm a big believer in focus, um, and so I, I find it really funny. And, and you know how much organizations invest in acquisition and those things like that. Obviously there, there's a machine to fuel there and get in front of people, but you know, sometimes the lack of investment post sales um, in terms of great, you're a customer. Now we're going to not going to invest nearly as much of focus and effort in those things like as we have previously. And so um, I, I believe, you know, you, you surround a customer with, with a team with clear defined purpose around it. So they have clarity of who to work with on what things. And so, for us, um, we structured post sales in, a, in, a, in what we call Terminus 360, and it's an account team. So we have specialized onboarding, in, which is part of customer success. Um, I call it 100% experience. 100% of our customers will go through that. So it needs to be amazing. Like it's, it's one of those things that everyone will, will go through. Um, so specialized team there focused on that, that have metrics and KPIs around that. Then we have what, what I'll call steady states uh, customer success with a customer success manager. Um, and one of the things I did, and you see it more and more, and I, I'm a big believer in this, is the commercial responsibility coming off of CSM. Mm -hmm. um, so they're their partner in adoption and strategy and guidance, and we have account managers for the commercial relationship. And so a clear defined line of, hey, work with this person on this, and here's what it looks like, um, and making sure they understand that as well. Um, and we pull that into the pre-sales process. Like, this is what it... This is what you can expect. This is what it look like looks like to be a customer. Here's how we invest in in you as a customer, and here's why. So, great. That's uh, great. Here's the team that's going to support you along the way. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, what do you think the, um, the the CRO role looks like in, in the next five to ten years? Is it feels like it's going to really kind of coming into its own? Um, there's there's a lot of responsibility across new business and, and existing business. Uh, how do you think it evolves if you, if you were to you know, put a prediction out there? Yeah, I, I think the lines are blurring at, a, at an executive level in some, mm -hmm. some areas, uh, which is interesting. Uh, for a CRO, they, they begin to blur a lot with the, the CMO, I think in kind of the new go-to-market world. Um, and the way my CMO and I have talked about it, it's like our, our scorecards for our, our CEO overlap by like 80%, mm -hmm. right? In terms of like what's important to the, met, the business, what do we need to drive? Um, and he's got different tools in his belt 
as a marketer and the tools and solutions they do use. And I have different tools in my belt as a CRO and how we go to market and what we drive there as well. And so that aspect of more of a go-to-market organization is unique and versus like, this is my sales team. We're going to, we're going to blow out a hundred calls a day per ADR and things like that as well. Right, right. So, so I think cha that changes also the remit, I think gets broader um, as it applies to just good SaaS business. So mm -hmm. um, I, in my role, I have responsibility for sales, uh, also customer success and professional services. So I, and I own what we call PX to CX, the prospect experience to the customer experience. Um, and it's really focused around customer lifetime value, right? So how do we, how do we provide a top-notch world-class experience when you engage with us, help you conduct diligence in your, in your cycle? And then how do we support you in terms of your growth and your capabilities? And you know, if we're doing that right, you're growing with us and you're spending more with us as well. Right. Yeah. yeah. That, that's, that's fantastic. And you know, it's, it is about time that, you know, there, there's oversight across the entire life cycle, but at that level where you're really uh, kind of floating between the strategy and the tactics, you know, there's, um, it's so easy to, to get disconnected from different aspects of the life cycle. So just having a purview across the entire thing is, is really powerful. So talk, talk a little bit more about your relationship with the CMO in, in your, in your perspective or from your perspective, what do you think are the key to a really great relationship there? Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> uh, sense of humor. No, <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that. I agree. Sense, sense of humor and plenty of budget. No, um, uh, honestly, it's it, it's. This is going to sound cliche, but allow me to unpack it a little bit. But the sales and marketing alignment, uh, which we've talked about for decades and everything, like there's no easy button around it. Like what I found works really well is. Like, and obviously we're in the ABM space, but um, is alignment like, these are the accounts we're gonna go after and 100% of these accounts should be customers. Mm -hmm. And I trust my CMO to, to like we said, that overlapping scorecard, yeah. deploy your skills and resources and budget because we've agreed these all, all these people need to be customers. And I go with my teams and we keep, and I say, it's these accounts because all of them need to be customers. And, and again, going back to that trust in terms of scaling yourself and the organization and you know, sales and marketing alignment is, is focused and allowing them to go do their thing um, at, the, at the point, you know, essentially pointing it at the same targets. And so that's been really key. And, you know, I say it's, you know, sales and marketing alignment and alignment with your CMO is not your weekly sales and marketing meeting. It's really just understanding like, what are we going to go work on this quarter? Great. Um, and our, you know, our weekly, I meet with my CMO 30 minutes every week. Mm -hmm. It's not, like here's the report card. Here's here's what the metrics are we're tracking. It's it's honestly more like human stuff. Like mm. so and so is having trouble getting time with this person, and like really just helping our organizations and moving those things out of the way because we feel we have alignment on where we need to go. Yeah, yeah, breaking down the barriers and and yeah, it sounds like everything there is alignment. It's like just ensuring that we're aligned ongoing because they can break down pretty quickly. Exactly. So. That's great. That's great. Let's talk a little bit more about uh, leadership. And you've, you've touched on it in a couple ways already. But um, when you think about being a leader in an organization, how do you um, how do you approach it? If you uh, can think about at the at the C-suite level, but then also as you manage a team. Yeah. So if anyone from my team listens to this, they're they're going to roll their eyes because they're going to hear all my <laughs> all the same things I say to them constantly. But um, in the startup world, like um, 
you don't have to be managing people to be a leader and mm -hmm. your startup's probably not going to grow if you don't have any leaders that are individual contributors. Uh, and so, you know, leadership is, I see something, I'm going to go make it better, or I have a passion on this. I want to go make this better or bring this to the table. And so we talk about cultivating leadership in every role. Um, I've made the mistake in my past of hiring managers that were not leaders. Mm. Um, and, you know, the, the team sniffs that out pretty fast, right? Like, you know, they're, uh, they're dashboard managers. They'll look at Salesforce. They'll tell you what you're doing wrong. <laughs> um, but that leadership piece is, you know, everyone on the team has carte blanche to like go improve something, right? Um, so how do we lead? How do we grow? How do we do this? It's not um, a top-down thing. Like we are all trying to make our company better. Um, and I think that's been really empowering. We've had, you know, AEs come up with, hey, I've been, I'm thinking about pitching this way. You, mm -hmm. Like we're still delivering our core message, but this seems to be resonating. What do you think about this? And bringing new things to the table, which quite frankly, have been great and we've implemented across the team. They didn't sit back and wait for marketing hand them a deck or us to do an enablement on how to talk about this feature or something like that. Um, and it improved the entire go-to-market organization. So it, it's it's the leadership aspect of go be a leader, please, uh, yeah. within yeah. our company. Empowering <laughs> them and creating that environment where you know people are uh, kind of understand that uh, they have that opportunity to, to go build something or, or own something. Right. Yeah. yeah. It, it's not, it's, I mean, there, there's always leadership at the top, but I mean, when you're growing a company, um, the few hundred people, like everyone needs to be feel, feel that way. Like take right. pride in building, building something great and kind of what we can go do and be the best version of the company we can be is always fun from a, a senior leadership perspective. I think it, honestly, a lot of it's transparency. Um, you know, a lot of companies, Feel it's a little cloak and dagger at the top and we're not sure why we're doing these things but we're doing them and so you know we uh we might be overly transparent from everything you know from direction and roadmap all the way down to financials we do it all hands and take everyone through that um because we want people to feel bought in bought in and that they can go help us because they know where we're, where we're trying to go yeah absolutely we are in a uh, we're in a pandemic, which is pretty unique from a, we are. <laughs> from a standpoint. And then also a leadership standpoint, has there been anything that um, you've taken away from the past several months uh, because of this this new environment that we're in that has made you a better leader? Yeah, um, you know it's it's been interesting. <laughs> Good work. That's a, without cursing, that's what I'll, uh, as I, how I'll describe it. Um, you know, it, it's made me, I would say, more aware of how I communicate to folks um, in a sense of don't get lost on email and Slack, like mm -hmm. pick up the phone, call people, um, have that connection a little bit more throughout your organization. Um, because you lose that context, you lose personalities, you lose these things. Um, the nut we haven't cracked and, you know, I don't know if anyone has, I haven't seen it yet is just keeping the team engaged and feeling like a team. You know what I mean? Like, I think the first month or two months, everyone's like, you know, Friday happy hour, we're all going to do this or something. Like everyone did this. And then it's like, oh man, you're dreading them. Um, but it, that's one thing I miss in the office. And I think it's tough to replicate is, you know, remote and work from home, work from anywhere. How do you keep that? And so, um, we're active on Slack there's a lot of fun stuff and not just work stuff on there. Um, but I, I pick up the phone and we, you know, we hop on and talk and try and get time with everyone on there as well. So. Yeah, that's great. It's, but it, it's hard to, 
replace the human connection. You know, I said earlier today, you can't, you can't replace a happy hour easily when you're, um, when you're not face to face, it's a, it's a challenge. So yeah, well, I think everybody's in the same boat though. So we're all trying to figure it out. Uh, we should, we should keep, keep sharing those ideas. Well, the, one of the things I've talked about with my team, um, like I, I think the idea of work-life balance is non-existent mm-hmm. like anymore. I, I call it a work-life blend at this point now. Like yeah. I'm going to take an hour off today to go pick up my daughter from school. That's not a right, work stops. I mean, it's like I'm blending my work life with my home life to be able to do that. And that's one of the advantages going on right now. And then supporting team members to take advantage of what, what might be the silver linings of this time right now. So at Terminus, we have all the tools, Zoom, Slack, all the fun stuff to stay connected. Um, uh, I, have a, I have a manager whose wife and his one-year-old son decided they're going to move to Carmel, California for three months. And they got a long-term rental and they moved out there because why not? You yeah. have the opportunity, it's a unique opportunity. And so the silver lining aspect and pushing people to say like, Hey, like, you know, what's the good things you can go do and push yourself a little bit more and understand that like from a work perspective, we support them. You know what I mean? Like that's been really positive. It, it definitely has opened up um, my perspective to what's possible. And, you know, just to your point, like you can work from anywhere. So why not mix it up a little bit and uh, kind of incorporate the two in some new ways. That's yeah. Couple more questions for you, um, and I, I'm always curious to to uh, kind of go down this path of decision making, and it, it kind of intertwines with the leadership piece. But uh, have there been any uh, kind of moments throughout your career where you you made a decision really based on your gut um, and not data? Um, any thoughts on that? Yeah, um, it's really funny. So we we started doing this thing uh, with our leadership team, where you know generally you bring the data. You talk through the data. Here's how I made my decision. Yeah. We've we've kind of implemented a hot take session every once in a while, like, yeah. and it's it's kind of an understa- understanding of like I don't have the data back us up. We're, we'll go look for the data. We'll go find it. But I'm feeling I'm seeing this, mm. and and so we we've kind of operationalized that a little bit of like, okay. hey, hot yeah. take real quick. I think this this and this is happening. Feedback reaction to it, things like that as well. And so that's been something that's been really interesting. We've done at Terminus, which has been fun of like you kind of have the okay green light to give your gut feeling without having the data, right? Yeah, <laughs> um, which, which has been fun. And then, you know, just in, you know, I think you, as a sales leader, you run into that quite a bit. Like mm-hmm. ultimately here's what a good sales cycle looks like. And at some point you, you've got to go with your gut on some of these things. We've ticked the boxes, we've done these things. And it may be trusting that someone on the other end is going to go get something done or that, a direct report or an AE has got that based on kind of what they say and not click down. And like, you, know, you kind of face those gut checks every day and just in terms of how you treat people, you know what I mean? Sure. Um, and I think that's something you've got to do of like, you know, how, how much, how much faith do you put into someone? Make sure you're not micromanaging doing those things. Like, you know, that that's a gut check every day. So That's great. Yeah. I, I kind of come to appreciate that they yeah. both have a place, you know, the data tells a, a very, uh, compelling and consistent story oftentimes, but sometimes you just gotta kind of go with your, go with your gut. Um, yeah. All right. One more for you. Uh, so all right. um, I'm asking everybody, if you could sit down with someone for a cup of coffee, who would it be and why it could be dead or alive. Uh, but from a, from a kind of mentor, uh, aspirational type of, of angle, any thoughts on, on coffee talk? 
Yeah, yeah. Let, let me pull up my Q4 renewals list, and I'll pick the one, the largest ACV on there. The largest CEO of the largest ACV renewal in Q4. That's what yeah. I'm saying. No, I'll copy it. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I, this may be a little sappy, and it's funny, but um, honestly, my dad. I haven't seen my dad since before the pandemic. Um, my my dad and mom live in North Carolina, and it's it's funny. And the conversations I have, of, he was actually uh, in the what we'll call. Uh, hopefully the only bubble, but the first bubble, the 2000 bubble of, I was born and raised in the Bay area. And so he was a startup guy as well. And, uh, it's so funny of like, I remember him telling me when I was a kid, you'll do this one day, you'll see this one day and things like that as well. And I'm going through these things now, my own kids and startups and things like that as well. It's absolutely hilarious. And so, um, you know, it's, it's 20 years on from, from his time and things have changed slightly. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's it's been really valuable to have someone in my life that has context and experience of like, oh man, how did you guys fundraise? And oh, what was that like? And it's it's hilarious to kind of get that perspective and be like, wow, dad literally went kind of through some of these same things. So <laughs> what a great answer. And you know, what a unique opportunity to share that that experience with with your dad. So yeah. Um, I'd love to join you for that coffee uh, sometime. <laughs> well, Tim, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. I really appreciate you being on the on the podcast. Yeah, I appreciate it. It was a good time. Uh, it was fun to dig into. Yeah. All right, man. Take care. We'll be, be in touch. All right. What an awesome conversation with Tim. I'm so thrilled that he was able to spend some time with me. Uh, thank you for spending time with us uh, for this latest episode of Revenue Revolutionaries. We'll catch you again next time. This has been a MetaCX production.